And welcome to the very first episode of UFO UAP WTF. I'm your host, Jason McClellan, and together we'll be exploring the fascinating, enigmatic, and frustrating subject of UFOs. Or is it UAP? You bet we'll get into that conversation soon. It's the name of the show, after all. But first, let me talk for a bit about this podcast overall. For several years, this show has operated under the name Unknown. And as I was preparing to refresh the show's branding for 2023, I decided to take it a step further than I usually do and go with a full-on rebrand rather than a cosmetic refresh. For me, the new brand, the new name, encapsulates how confusing the subject of UFOs can be and how unnecessarily complicated UFOs have become. As has always been my focus, My goal with this show is to provide straightforward, unbiased, journalistic information about UFOs. Sure, I'll pepper in some of my personal opinions from time to time, but I do strive to make it clear when what I'm stating is my personal opinion. Likewise, I do my best to cite sources and provide you with as much information as possible so you can form your own opinions. The tagline for this show is, No Hype, No BS, Just UFOs. If you've spent any time diving into UFO research, you're well aware of just how pervasive hype and BS are in this field. UFOs don't need hype. They're strange enough already. This show presents the UFO subject in an approachable and uncomplicated manner with responsible skepticism and the scientific, journalistic attention it deserves. So, with that said, I'm so happy you're here to hang out with me as we dive into this strange topic. For our first episode of this new show, I thought we'd take a big step back and look at UFOs overall, a broad picture. As I just stated, there are plenty of folks out there who are making the UFO subject unnecessarily complicated and making it really challenging for curious individuals to explore this topic. So I thought an introduction, an honest, unsensational introduction to UFOs would be the perfect primer and perfect introduction to UFO UAP WTF. So here we go. UFO. This is an initialism for unidentified flying object. And contrary to popular belief, they aren't uncommon. UFOs are seen by people all over the world every day. And not just by your crazy, kooky uncle or drunken hillbillies in the middle of nowhere. Doctors, lawyers, scientists, police officers, politicians, military personnel, people from all walks of life see UFOs every single day. Many UFO researchers point to the year 1947 as the beginning of the modern UFO era. But UFO sightings have seemingly been documented since the beginning of written language. 
For more context regarding that, I recommend the book Wonders in the Sky, Unexplained Aerial Objects from Antiquity to Modern Times by Jacques Vallée and Chris Aubeck. And just a quick side note here, when reading books or other content about UFOs, I strongly encourage you to read the material with a grain of salt. It's not uncommon for UFO researchers to simply regurgitate what another UFO researcher has stated in another UFO book without any additional research or independent verification of claims about a particular case. This is, unfortunately, a big problem when it comes to UFO research. Claims and stories get repeated time and time and time and time again, gaining legendary status and becoming cemented as part of accepted UFO lore, all without anybody taking the time to verify the evidence to support the original claims. I was, however, encouraged to see Chris Aubeck recently post on Twitter that he's considering releasing an updated version of Wonders in the Sky for 2023 with new material, and he acknowledged that, quote, some stories need correcting slash dropping from the original, end quote. I hope he does, and I look forward to that. Let's get back to 1947. The incident that many researchers highlight as the one that really kicked off the modern UFO era occurred on June 24, 1947. Private pilot Kenneth Arnold reported that he observed a group of nine high-speed objects near Mount Rainier, Washington, flying in a V-shaped formation and moving at a very high speed. The incident received widespread media attention, and it's from this media coverage that the term flying saucer, as it relates to UFOs, was born. Arnold himself is sometimes mistakenly credited with coining this term, but it was actually journalistic license that produced this classic term to refer to UFOs. Arnold actually described to the press that the objects he observed moved like saucers skipping across the water. UFO sighting reports began pouring in from all over the United States in the following years, including that little incident you might have heard about that took place a few weeks after Arnold's sighting, the Roswell UFO incident. There is a lot to get into with this case, and we will certainly revisit Roswell in greater depth on future episodes. But for the purpose of this introductory episode, I'll just give you the most basic summary. The Roswell UFO incident involved the alleged crash of a UFO near the remote small town of Roswell, New Mexico during the first week of July 1947. Part of what makes this case so interesting is that it was actually the U.S. military that announced to the press that it had recovered a crashed flying disc. That claim was quickly retracted and the story was changed claiming that the wreckage was actually from a top-secret project that used high-altitude research balloons. That right there is essentially the birth of the notion that the United States military and the government overall cover up information about UFOs and hide the truth from the public. Media attention about this incident disappeared pretty quickly, and the case was largely forgotten until UFO researchers shined a spotlight on it in the late 70s and early 80s, with articles in the National Enquirer tabloid and various books about the incident, introducing all sorts of exciting and sexy elements like alien bodies being recovered from the UFO crash. The incident was featured on the TV show Unsolved Mysteries in 1989, and from there, Roswell became a household name and cemented itself as a pop culture fixture. Today, Roswell is synonymous with UFO and alien all around the world. Because you're listening to this show, I'm guessing you're someone who is interested in the UFO topic. I know, big assumption on my part. But with that being the case, 
You've probably seen headlines and news reports in recent years about how the US government has finally admitted that UFOs are real and it's finally taking an interest in the UFO subject. The reality is that the military acknowledged the reality of UFOs long ago. The military has a rich public history with UFOs. The year after the Roswell incident, the US Air Force established its first formal investigation of UFOs, Project Sign, initially named Project Saucer, which had a goal to evaluate UFO reports and determine whether they posed a threat to national security. Not only did Project Sign acknowledge unknown or unidentified objects, it went so far as to say the most likely explanation for some UFOs was extraterrestrial spacecraft. Air Force Chief of Staff General Hoyt S. Vandenberg wasn't having any of that, however, and he rejected the findings of Project Sign. This, in turn, led to the dissolution of Sign, replacing it with Project Grudge, an official study established with a mandate to provide prosaic explanations for UFO sightings. Generals at the Pentagon reportedly grew frustrated with the obvious debunking of Grudge, so that project was terminated and replaced with Project Blue Book. I've got another book recommendation for you here. A fantastic insider's look into these projects is provided by Captain Edward J. Rappelt in his book, The Report on Unidentified Flying Objects. Rappelt led Project Blue Book from its inception in March 1952 until February 1953, and he's credited with coining the term UFO. The Central Intelligence Agency, also known as the CIA, was also extremely concerned about UFOs. So in 1952, it assembled a committee of scientists to examine the UFO situation and formulate a scientific opinion about the phenomenon. The Robertson Panel, named after panel head and California Institute of Technology physicist Dr. H.P. Robertson, only spent 12 hours reviewing the best evidence collected during six years of Blue Book investigation and reached the conclusion that 90% of all UFO sightings had mundane explanations and that it wasn't worth the government's time to investigate UFOs. Additionally, the panel recommended that the Air Force launch a campaign to debunk UFO reports and make the topic seem silly in the eyes of the general public in order to reduce the public's interest in UFOs. The U.S. Air Force funded another UFO project, the Condon Committee. This study ran from 1966 to 1968 at the University of Colorado, directed by physicist Edward Condon. But controversy overshadowed what was intended to be a true scientific evaluation of the UFO situation. Some of the committee's members allegedly went into the project knowing the outcome had already been predetermined. Sure enough, the report delivered to the Air Force by the committee in 1969 recommended against any further government UFO investigations. Astronomer J. Allen Hynek, who served as the scientific advisor for the Air Force's various UFO studies, blasted the Condon report, pointing to an obvious bias, evidence being intentionally overlooked, and conclusions being reached by people who hadn't studied UFOs at all. But the decision had already been made. The Condon report essentially led to the termination of Blue Book, which ended in 1969. But of the 12,618 cases reviewed by the Air Force during its investigation period from 1947 through 1969, 701 could not be explained. In recent years, UFO interest at the congressional level led to new government UFO projects that are underway, 
seeking to improve data sharing across various departments and government agencies as they attempt to detect and identify objects of interest in or near military training ranges and special use airspace. There was even a congressional hearing on the topic of UFOs back in May of 2022. Adam Schiff, chairman of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, provided opening remarks for the hearing. Holding a portion of our discussion today in open session is critical to the cause of transparency and openness, which was Congress's intent in authorizing and funding this new task force. The larger effort that is being undertaken to study and characterize UAP reports is an important step towards understanding these phenomenon, what we know and don't know. And I look forward to hearing more during both the open session and the closed setting about how DOD and the IC are undertaking that task. UAP reports have been around for decades, and yet we haven't had an orderly way for them to be reported without stigma and to be investigated. That needs to change. UAP reports need to be understood as a national security matter, and that message needs to go out across DOD, the IC, and the whole of the U.S. government. When we spot something we don't understand or can't identify in our airspace, it's the job of those we entrust with our national security to investigate and to report back. That is why it's important that we hold this open hearing for the public to hear directly from the Department of Defense on the steps it's taking to track, analyze, and transparently communicate the work that is being done on this issue. It is also the responsibility of our government and this panel to share as much as we can with the American people, since excessive secrecy only breeds distrust and speculation. You probably noticed Congressman Schiff's use of UAP there instead of UFO. Although UAP has gained popularity in recent years, it's certainly not new, and the military has been using that terminology related to UFOs dating back to the 1940s. But it's recently replaced UFO as the government's term of choice when referring to UFOs. In most cases, UAP has stood for Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. But during a recent media roundtable hosted by the Pentagon, Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security Ronald Moultrie revealed that the Pentagon's latest UFO project, known as the All-Domain Anomalous Resolution Office, has changed that to mean Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena. The recent UFO hearing was the first congressional hearing on the UFO subject in more than 50 years. But there have been hearings before, and more hearings are coming in the future. Needless to say, the U.S. government has, and still does, have an active interest in UFOs. And that leads me to another point we've already touched on, but it needs restating. UFOs aren't limited to the United States. That's always struck me as such a strange, self-centered misconception that the general public in the United States has when it comes to this topic. But again, people witness UFOs all around the world. And governments around the world have and do study UFOs. At the beginning of this episode, I commented on the hype that often accompanies reporting about this topic, the unfortunate hyperbole or stretching the truth to make a story or the topic in general more sexy and more mysterious, or to add a layer of dark secrets and conspiracy. Government conspiracy theories are often fueled by sensational headlines making claims about the government finally admitting that UFOs are real, or asserting that the government can no longer deny the reality of UFOs, or how UFO researchers with secret insider information have exposed the reality that extraterrestrial UFOs are engaging humanity. I know it isn't sexy, but any introduction to this topic, any honest, unbiased introduction without ulterior motives needs to include this very basic premise. 
Yes, UFOs are 100% real. That's not opinion. That's not a matter for debate. Governments around the world acknowledge that fact. But here's the unsexy part. UFO doesn't mean alien spacecraft or alien technology. Some UFOs could certainly be extraterrestrial in origin. That's important to keep in mind as well. When dealing with unknowns, all possibilities are on the table. Aliens, undiscovered civilizations residing in our ocean, atmospheric life forms, humans from the future, the possibilities are endless when you're dealing with the unknown. However, when governments refer to UFOs, these are simply objects that have been observed, but a positive identification wasn't immediately available. The U.S. government repeats this time and time again, that it has no evidence that any UFO is extraterrestrial. And sure, we're all welcome to decide if we trust or distrust what the government is telling us related to UFOs. But the honest reality with UFOs is that 90 to 95% of UFO sightings are eventually identified. You can look to the Air Force's Project Blue Book statistics for that, or at data from civilian UFO groups too. Most serious UFO researchers agree and acknowledge that 90 to 95% of reported UFOs are eventually identified. And this shouldn't be surprising. There's a lot of stuff in the sky, and we as humans keep putting more and more stuff up there. It might sound silly, but very mundane objects do generate the bulk of UFO reports. Military and other conventional aircraft, blimps, drones, rocket launches, satellites, planets, meteors, bugs, birds, balloons. The point is, humans are obviously not perfect. We aren't all-knowing, and we certainly aren't infallible. When we see or experience something that is outside our norm, something we haven't encountered before, it's strange. It sticks out to us, and our brain tries to make sense of it. By the way, that's true for everybody, whether it's you, your grandma, fighter pilots, or the president. We're all human. As far as we know. Wink, wink. But if 90 to 95% of UFO sightings are eventually identified, what about that other 5 to 10%? That brings me to another point. Finding explanations for UFO sightings is crucial to honest, unbiased, scientific UFO research. As I just stated, our skies are absolutely littered with objects that generate thousands of UFO reports every year. Identifying these objects helps eliminate them from the massive pile and helps identify truly anomalous events that merit future study. Highlighting and explaining solved UFO cases is also tremendously beneficial for UFO researchers and the general public overall because it helps everybody have a better understanding for how mundane objects can appear absolutely bizarre or otherworldly in certain situations. Again, this public education helps us as we try to weed through the sea of UFO reports to identify any that could be that extraterrestrial visitor or something more exciting. When those more intriguing events lie in that 5 to 10%, there's a lot of junk to sift through. The UFO subject has a bit of a stigma attached to it. People are often hesitant to talk about their interest in the topic and especially reluctant to talk about personal experiences because they dread the thought of being laughed at. This is sometimes referred to as the giggle factor. Some believe this stigma has tapered off a bit in recent years due to congressional interest in UFOs and the topic being covered more seriously by mainstream media. 
media stories about this subject have always been a mixed bag, and they still are. Frankly, it's unfortunately those most passionate about UFOs who tend to contribute to and fuel the stigma and ridicule directed at the subject of UFOs. And that's becoming more of an issue today. How? Well, back to that important point about 90 to 95% of UFO sightings ultimately being identifiable. There are so many folks who are impassioned, seeking answers about UFOs, and urgently wanting UFOs thrust into the public spotlight at every opportunity to validate personal beliefs and to provide some kind of vindication. But when these impassioned folks hype up every UFO sighting that gets reported, and the majority of those incidents are eventually determined to be mundane objects like balloons, this behavior essentially deflates any positive momentum that may have developed towards lessening the stigma. It reaffirms that notion in the general public's perception that there's nothing to UFOs, that all UFOs are easily explainable, and that people who believe in UFOs are just crazy folks who are detached from reality. That, of course, isn't the case. People like scapegoats. It's easy to point to big bad government and efforts to smear UFOs to make them seem laughable. But an unfortunate reality we have to face is that, many times, the UFO community is its own worst enemy. And we do plenty on our own to feed the laughter. Ugh. That was a little grim and fatalistic. Sorry about that. Let me turn things around by saying that UFO research can and should be fun. I know that won't be the case for everybody. There are plenty of people who research UFOs because they are looking for personal answers to explain personal experiences, which are sometimes not pleasant experiences. I'm sure we'll get into some of that on a future episode. But for me personally, for many of my colleagues, and perhaps you too, Looking into the mystery of UFOs is endlessly fascinating. It's also largely been my experience that the ridicule factor is something we build up ourselves, that fear of having people laugh at us. In almost every situation, whether it's family members, friends, co-workers, or strangers, when I've mentioned UFOs in any context, the reaction is very similar. They're a little surprised, they might let out a nervous chuckle, but eventually... When they realize I take the subject seriously, they become interested, they start asking questions, and more times than not, they begin sharing personal UFO stories or sightings their family members have had. I know it's counter to popular public perception, but UFOs are mainstream. UFOs are a part of popular culture. UFOs are a regular theme or subject in popular music, blockbuster films, TV shows, and even in commercials during some of the most watched events like the Super Bowl. Most people have a UFO interest in one form or another. When it comes to UFO research, I know I said UFO research should be fun, and it should, but another important point I have to make is that although UFOs can be endlessly fascinating, they're also endlessly frustrating. UFO research isn't for everybody. The reality is that you'll likely never find the answers you're looking for, and it's even more likely that your research will yield more questions than answers. UFO research can also be lonely. What do I mean by that? Well, trying to solve UFO mysteries is a personal pursuit. Sure, there are lots of UFO researchers out there. Like any community, the UFO community has lots of problems, lots of bad actors, 
and entirely too much drama. But it's also a tremendous resource filled with plenty of wonderful people doing fantastic work. So why did I say that UFO research is a personal pursuit? I say that because we're all on our own individual quest. We all have our own reason for researching UFOs. We all have different life experiences. And lots of information about UFO cases hinges on belief. No, UFOs isn't a religion. Well, actually, there are UFO-based religions. That's the subject for another day. But true, objective UFO research and the honest desire to find answers, no matter where the evidence leads, is not a religion. There isn't one single truth, one correct way of thought that you must believe and follow blindly. We individually have to determine what information and what people we believe. We have to weigh each individual piece of evidence and personally decide for ourselves the evidentiary value to place on it. And we have to use all this information to establish our personal beliefs about UFOs and modify those beliefs going forward as we incorporate or reject future evidence. There are plenty of people out there who are more than happy to tell you that they have all the answers and tell you what and how you're supposed to think about this topic. The honest reality is that nobody has those answers and it's ultimately up to you to make up your own mind. Case in point, Roswell, with its legendary status, an iconic UFO event known around the world. We don't know what really happened back in 1947, and we probably never will. Almost everything we know about this case comes from a handful of researchers, and those researchers don't even agree with each other about what happened. All you can do is expose yourself to as much information as possible, do your research, and feel comfortable reaching your own personal determination based on the available information. And as I just pointed out, an important part of that is allowing that determination to change over time as you weigh new information. That, my friends, is our quick introduction to UFOs. The subject can get crazy and way too complicated really fast. There are endless rabbit holes and subtopics your research might lead you to, and it can quickly become overwhelming and ultimately leave you feeling jaded and burned out. But I'm happy to share with you my experiences and what I've learned, seen, and experienced during the past 15 years or so of being active in the UFO research community. Let's explore these things together and have fun along the way. If there's a case or topic you'd like to have featured or addressed on a future episode, a general comment, or anything else, I'd love to hear it. I'm easy to reach. You can always contact me on Twitter at Acentric, that's A-C-E-C-E-N-T-R-I-C, or shoot me an email at jason at rogueplanet.tv. I'm Jason McClellan. Thanks for hanging out today. Join me again next time as we try to figure out together what the f*** is up with these UFOs. UFOs.